Water is essential to all life on Earth, but there is only so much of it, and as the Earth's population grows, we face the possibility of increasingly severe water shortages. With climate change, we also face more intense droughts and more catastrophic flooding. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Clearly, more than ever, we need a way to collect data on water and to use that data to plan and even predict future events and their effects on people. My guest for this program is Dr. Javier Marti, whose company, called Diverod, has a mission of mapping the world of water and making that data useful for people who manage water resources. Diverod collects data on water levels of rivers and reservoirs and on coastal water levels and tides using their own sensing technology and existing satellites. This real-time data can be used to reduce risks and to conserve water resources. Dr. Marti is an engineer by training and has worked in projects like launching satellites into space to radio astronomy and ecological systems. I asked him to explain why he started his company, Diverod. I was concerned about uh, how difficult it is to measure water and have a good understanding about water in the world. Uh, most of the technologies available nowadays are very antiquated and don't work very well, and they're not as scalable. So it was very concerning for me to, you know, living with water uh, in terms of a commodity and living with water uh, in terms of a liability, the risk that it poses to people. It's not very well known, so it, it always uh, uh, concerned me not to have uh, good information from where we can make uh, good decisions. So yes, I started, uh, I started with that thing in mind and uh, making sure that can we bring something to the table that helps uh, people to coexist uh, with water, especially with all the changes in, in climate and so on. Uh, so what your company does or, or is doing is, as I understand it, is building a water data network. Can you talk about that? What is that? We're building the world's most valuable proprietary water risk uh, data set. And that, in a, in a way, is a high degree of information uh, that is captured globally to make sure that we understand what are the risks that water could posed to uh, all of us and communities, corporations, municipalities, states, um, you name it. And um, how can we live with it? How can we increase our resiliency uh, in front of uh, all these water risks that we're experiencing? Now, it seems that it would be really difficult to measure the amount of water uh, in any body of, of water, such as an ocean, river, lake. Uh, how do you do that? So one of the things which are most difficult is, is, is not only amount, it's also the level. The level is of water is what differentiates that you're getting flooded or not. Um, I lived through the Colorado 2013 flooding event, and um, my neighbors across the street were having 12 feet of, wa 12 foot of water in their basement, uh, whereas I got none. Um, hmm. I had a ditch nearby that actually was uh, carrying all the water away, uh, and it was about one inch uh, below the limit. Uh, had I been, had I been uh, witnessing a little bit more water coming in, uh, that level would have gone up and it would have flooded my house too. So I was very fortunate in a way. If level is what you use, how do you 
How do you measure amounts of water? So what we're doing is we are uh, implementing, uh, we have a proprietary technology, a sensing technology, okay. which is looking into, um, it's, it's like, a, like a radar. So imagine a radar typically measures a distance, right? When you're going in the highway and, and the police uh, uh, is capturing your speed, it's actually, it's actually using a, a radar technology. Mm-hmm. A wave is transmitted and a wave is reflected on the target. So what we did is to say, okay, if we have to put a radar for water in on Earth, how would that be? That is comparable. All the data is that, that we receive is comparable and is significant. So what we uh, came up with is um, we started levering on uh, constellations of satellites which are already existing, and mm-hmm. we said these satellites are bombarding us with uh, signals all day long, twenty four seven, and they're everywhere in the planet. So what we're doing is levering on the energy of those signals as they're emitted by the satellites. And when this energy is heat on the ground, it produces a reflection, a signature, a radar signature that is further picked up by our uh, sensing technology. So if we deploy the sensing technology in the places that matter, we will be obtaining this information about water. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Dr. Javier Marti, CEO and founder of Diverod, which is a water data uh, network company. Um, And so we're talking about how you collect the data. Uh, Then once you've collected it, uh, I assume that somebody wants to interpret it so they can use it. Uh, Is that something your company does as well? Yeah, so... The important thing is to collect uh, uh, a reliable uh, data set that can bring some understanding and knowledge about water everywhere. So we're we're building that, we're getting all these measurements, but also those measurements are just not enough. I mean, it's just like, okay, I have here all the pieces of the puzzle. Now I, left, I don't leave it to the customers to put it together. So what we're trying to do is... Um, we connect the pieces, we look at the story that this data is telling us, we look at predictions, we look at the forecast elements, and we provide, uh, we run the last mile for our customers. We want to provide them with information that they can actually use and is beneficial for their planning on resiliency, for their planning on immediate actions. So we, we're covering that ground for them altogether. And so the the people that you're doing this for, are they cities or counties or uh, government organizations? So ultimately, our end customers are going to be very large data consumers. And talking about water risks, we're looking into uh, fintech companies, uh, insurance companies, uh-huh. large data uh, uh, people who are modeling, trying to model and understand the implications on communities. Um in, in a more accurate fashion. So our data will be instrumental uh, to what the modeling people are talking about. So in order to increase the accuracy of the model, we are bringing all this collection of new data points and uh, which is gonna be very instrumental for these people to, to improve their models. So the customers ultimately, as I said, uh, are, are gonna be in, the, in, the, in that area, in the insurance FinTech, but the uh, by natural extension, municipalities, states, and governments are going to be benefiting from having access to that data too. 
Right. Yeah, I would think so. So uh, uh, now uh, one of the things uh, that I read about on your site was uh, something called Tide Stations, and I wasn't quite sure what they are. Can you explain what is a Tide Station and what is the significance of it? Where are they found? Yeah, so if if you go along the coast of the United States, um, uh, tidal stations are um, a set of are normally called to a set of instruments which are measuring the level of water or the level of the tide and the changes of uh, in tide levels all through the all along the coast. Um, those are stations which are typically encompassing like a hut inside they put up a lot of instrumentation there's some tubes and pipes going down to the uh, to the to the sea and they're located at piers they're located at different places along the coast in the united states um, currently NOAA, which is the organization organism which is looking at the uh, taking out looking after the tidal stations they have about 225 active stations so for a 96,000 miles of coastline, uh, there's not too many. So why we're bringing with uh, the word of tidal stations in our website is because our technology, which is very scalable and cost efficient, can actually be deployed at many more places than just 200 uh, points along the coast. So our instrumentation is act acting basically as a tidal station. So uh, now we've heard about rising sea levels as a consequence of climate change. Are these tidal stations adequate to protect coastal communities where the sea level may be rising? Well, when it comes to that protection, it's not only the tidal stations. So tidal stations or our technology, what it does is to provide us data from which we're creating knowledge. And with that knowledge, we can then take the make the decision to to go in one way or another in terms of the protection that we can offer to our communities along the coast. So it is um, it is a combination of, um, you know, if we don't have the knowledge, there is not going to be any, any real protection. We're just going to be seeing in the news, oh, this community got uh, swamped. And did they have the time to evacuate? You know, if it's a building hurricane, most likely authorities will be having access to that and they will be alerting the population. But the problem is that even in a community of a certain area, there's no certainty about who is going to get what level of water, who is mm -hmm. going to be impacted. And that certainty is exactly what we're trying to provide and put on the table. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here today with Dr. Javier Marti, CEO and founder of Diverod, uh, which is a water network company. Um, so uh, now you, we were just uh, starting to talk about flooding. So obviously water is vital for life, but each year there are floods in the U.S. and all over the world, and uh, these floods cause lives to be lost and catastrophic damage, obviously, to land and property. Does the water data network uh, allow you to predict possible flooding ahead of time? And, and how, uh, I guess, how uh, specific is it? I think you were referring to some of that earlier. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, so, as I said, everything becomes uh, begins with data, and um, through data we can understand what's going on because we have a, a picture in front of us of what happened, what is happening, and possibly what would would, what would happen in the future. And um, 
the efforts that we're putting is is to bring certainty into all those effects. So if you think about for a second, how many times we ordered a taxi and how many times we ordered a pizza, we're certain that the taxi is going to show up across the street at a given location that you have specified at a given time. And you can even track the taxi as it approaches. So you're certain about this thing. So in the 21st century, that we're not certain about how much am I going to be impacted by a water event, a water risk event, is actually quite uh, quite sad. And it is one of the areas where we need to put more effort, is to bring this certainty through data, through knowledge, and through the you know improved modeling um, based on, on those observations. So this sounds like something that would be very useful to the average homeowner. Yeah. The average homeowner will know if uh, if uh, we can go down to the street level of uh, this person or that person would be able to say, hey, uh, I just moved my my car a couple of streets up a hill uh, some, or somewhere different that is not going to get flooded. There's a number of things that individually we can do. There's a number of things that have to be done at community level. But again, Without that power of the data, it's, it's going to be quite difficult. So that's what we are really hoping to provide and extend to, to the population. Yeah, so it seems like this would be something that, um, I guess, real estate companies would be interested in, in addition to, obviously, insurers who are uh, selling flood insurance. Um, so uh, now, in addition to uh, that uh, application, uh, is there can can uh, your water data be applied to water use to guide water usage by uh, individuals in agriculture and business? Yes. Uh, so we are not only measuring along the coast, but we're measuring water in actually in every single form and fashion. So some of our customers are water utilities. They own reservoirs, all the tributaries to those reservoirs, snow in the mountains, melting and providing and supplying water all the way down to the through the watershed to the uh, to the final users. So we're working with them and uh, we're, for example, providing them the um, an incredible precision in the way of uh, understanding how much water they have in their reservoirs. Uh, we have a recent example. We've been looking at some of the reservoirs that we're looking in, into in uh, California. And uh, I can tell you that the 25th of May at 10, around 10 o'clock in the, in the, at night is when the drought season started. You can see that those, uh, huh. those reservoirs started basically pumping water down to the uh, and not being refilled anymore. So, yes, we can provide as well a lot of good information on how to distribute water in a, in a more cost-effective and rational way. So do you have any uh, applications that you can talk about uh, that are, you know, like a specific example? Yeah, so for, for the, the, whole, the whole monitoring of water, the consumption of water is, is related to the water availability. So, uh, for example, for some water utilities, we're now deploying in October, uh, a series of um, a mini network for specifically for them to look at how much snow are they going to get in the at, uh, during the winter, how much of that snow is going to convert into water, how much that water is going to be flowing through the uh, through the tributaries to the reservoirs and canals all the way to the tap. So 
that is uh, the uh, the power of having a network of providing data that is intercomparable and um, and you know you're comparing apples to apples, so you're actually reducing the uncertainty that uh, nowadays is is everywhere in in the planet when you're looking at uh, water utilities. So how do you count for thing? I mean, uh, so things like snow that's existing, you can measure, but what about rainfall? How do you deal with rain? So our instruments, as I said before, the network is going to be looking at every single form of water. Precipitation rate is one of the things that we also can do. And uh, we're measuring as it, you know, as you have a rain event, so we're going to be looking at how much rain is coming uh, is coming down. And that is going to be coupled to how much water is going to be standing on the ground, or how much moisture is infiltrating in the ground, and so on. So the technology enables us to to also look at precipitation uh, rates, uh, which is super useful. Um, if you think about the way that uh, precipitation is is measured nowadays, is is essentially a bucket. Yeah. And you get a bucket out there, and however however many drops are falling into that bucket. If, you know, if it is windy, less drops, but it's not. Um, there's still a lot of rain coming down, but the bucket is capturing water, and at the given time, the bucket is, uh, is is basically releasing that water and making a count. Boom, and then it fills up again, and boom, makes another count. We now have a technology which is capable to give us the precipitation rate uh, in a directional sense, uh, with the uh, without having to have a bucket. So we're looking at how rain pours, and, and we derive the, um, all the data from it. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm talking today to Dr. Javier Marti, CEO and founder of Diverod. Um, so having this kind of capability, uh, ha- have you thought about this on a global scale? What does it mean globally? Yeah, and that's that's our dream as a company our vision is to actually do this uh, globally um, our technology enables us to uh, scale it globally and uh, we hopefully over time we're going to be able to deploy our network in every corner of of, of mother earth so um, but of course it takes time and investment and uh, but but we're on it we're on it <laughs> So, I mean, this could also be, I, I think you, you briefly mentioned uh, about drought conditions. So it can also be used to predict drought droughts? Yeah. As you're monitoring uh, water availability and reservoirs, you're monitoring rain precipitation uh, uh, rates and, and you're monitoring water in, you know, at larger scale, then, of course, you're, you're cognizant of how much water is left and, and you're looking at uh, – discharging levels in, in reservoirs and you can already start predicting, okay, uh, there's this much water left. So hopefully the people who are administering that water can make the proper choices to you know, provide it to the population, provide it to irrigation purposes, uh, maybe stop uh, irrigating the lawn. Actually, I did this this year um purposely i wanted to have um i have a little yard in front of the house mm-hmm. and i decided to stop my irrigation and it looks yellow it looks actually ugly but um i can tell you that uh, i'm very proud of having saved um, lots of gallons of water uh, compared to all my neighbors yes uh, i i uh 
personally, I hate lawns. I don't understand why we do lawns because it's it's actually where most of the water, as I understand it, or at least a huge amount of water in the U.S. is used to water lawns, which is such a waste, it seems like. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what I mean, are, go ahead. And I was going to add that, uh, you know, some of our customers in the Middle East are looking into ir- smart irrigation techniques for 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 gardens so they're looking at large extensions of lawn in the middle east where there is not much water or the water that there is it is available is going to be desalinized water which is very expensive mm-hmm. so you can tell that people are trying to be smart about it but maybe the smartest thing is not to irrigate at all especially exactly. not having lawns <laughs> exactly that's right um, so what are Divarad's future plans? So Divarad at the moment is uh, mostly uh, is deploying uh, this network. Uh, we have uh, made a big push in Florida uh, because of all the real estate that is uh, you know, at risk in, yeah. in terms of flooding. And um, our plans are to keep extending all along the East Coast and the Gulf so we can capture uh, evidence of what is the real impact of when a hurricane passes by? What is the real impact of one of these major storms that we're unfortunately seeing almost on a weekly basis in during the season? So it's keep on deploying the network, keep adding functionalities and capabilities to our data sets, and um, and start uh, distributing this data to to the large uh, data consumers in in a more continuous basis. And and going forward to that. It's to keep deploying uh, in different places. So we have deployed, uh, for example, in Venice. Uh, we're looking at the uh, tidal problems in, De- in Venice already. Uh, we have deployed somewhere in, in a couple of um, uh, water utilities in, in Spain, which are feeding uh, you know, 6 million people in Madrid. Um, so our intent is actually to continue growing into other uh, geographies and provide the same level of service um, worldwide. Uh, over time. Do you have some examples where communities are using your data? So in order to deploy in, uh, with a few exceptions, in order to deploy uh, rapidly and uh, get access to data rapidly, we're actually building a community effort and we're installing a private uh, people's houses. So we have this uh, hosting program in Florida where uh, the communities are uh, people in the community are volunteering to be hosting a sensor and uh, providing the data back into the into the network so that we can actually do all the predictions and and um, and helping them. In turn, we're giving them some um, uh, free access to uh, some of the conditions uh, of the of their own property, and um, and in return, we we have this uh, rental, uh, let's say, uh, real estate property. Uh, rental agreement uh, where we are uh, collecting data from. Some of the um, of the examples, for example, uh, I'm thinking about the uh, uh, San, Mar- uh, San Martin, sorry, Martin County in uh, in Florida. We have deployed already about nine different locations within the within that county, and we're looking together with the with the county people at ways to uh, improve that resiliency. So the deployment was uh, just happened uh, uh, three weeks ago, in fact, and um, and we're collecting data that we're going to be analyzing with them going forward. 
other communities, like for example, we deployed uh, back in 2019 uh, in Maryland, in the Chesapeake Bay, we deployed to one of the communities there, and they've been looking at this data. And uh, using this data, they're actually accessing to grants in order to uh, create seawalls and in order to make some of the repairs that are you know, caused by the water. So they have now an evidence on, on how to how to use, um, and they're using our data in order to provide the evidence on, on what they need. I think uh, I think we, I personally feel that we have a responsibility. Um, if if we're waiting for, um, you know, governmental actions, uh, which are which are great, uh, but the the pace and the rhythm of execution is slower. If we're waiting for that, uh, we're making a big mistake. So I feel responsible with the company, with my company work, to actually go out and and deploy as fast as possible because. You know, people are getting uh, affected by by this more and more often, and it is. If we have the solution, I cannot just, you know, sit down and look at and wait for somebody else to do it. So we have this commitment and responsibility of we have to act now because it's up to us, the people, the corporations, the investors, to take our act together and and show the world that you know we can deal with this problem. Issues related to water are so important for all us humans, and finding ways to collect real-time data on water so that individuals, communities, governments, and other organizations can act to preserve human life and property is a vital mission. Thanks so much for listening to Mothering Earth. Please tell people you know about this podcast. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth your source for sustainable living news.